you uh, mentioned it yesterday, started pastoring a church at the ripe old age of 22. I mean, I was crying out to God and saying, Lord, when are you going to bring us a real pastor? And he said into my spirit, he said, I have. You've written the book, He Still Speaks. You've now written He Still Speaks to Kids because there is no junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit right. gives these gifts and we get saved. We get filled with the Holy Spirit and those gifts in us get activated. Yeah, I love that. Some will be pastors, some will be worship leaders, some will be this, doctors, whatever. But they're all spiritual gifts. Yeah. New Testament prophecy, as opposed to Old Testament, is about three things. Right. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Right. I will face all the insecurities of giving a word. Right. I love that. With the with the hope that it's going to help somebody. Mm. I think most prophetic words are not a shock to people. I think they're right. they're affirming. Yeah. But something that's already going on. They just they've got some pieces of the puzzle missing. Yeah. And God gives that little piece. Yeah. I think one thing we're all struggling with is. Welcome this morning to the table, and uh, we're excited to have you with us and have Pastor Wayne Drain with us today. And um, again, we we come, the table is a place where, uh, Pastor Wayne, for us, it has always been the place around the table. I think about last night, even sitting around our table, um, you know, j- just having conversations, eating good food, um, you know, and, and it's meant to be a place of connection and meant to be a place of just living life and, mm-hmm. and having some deep conversations. We always talk about with our kids, the table was the place where so much of the formation, the life, the joy, the, you know, the interaction happened and even still to this day. So glad that you're here with us Thank and you. excited to have you be a part. And, um, um, just so that folks kind of get a little sense of who you are, um, Obviously, for those who are part of Zion City, they know that you ministered yesterday and you're part of our oversight and you're relationally connected to us. But you uh, mentioned it yesterday, started pastoring a church at the ripe old age of 22, uh, which (laughs) I'm not sure you probably would recommend that to anybody today, probably. But (laughs) so 1974, is that what you said yesterday? Well, 1972, uh, the Jesus Movement hit our campus Okay, when my wife and I were students. And we saw several hundred kids come to the Lord. Right. And we wow. had a house at the end of the football field. We were the only married couple of all these kids. They were right. high school and college kids. And so they all came to our house. Right. You were mom and dad. You know, and if you, by fe- if you feed them, they will come. <laughs> so, so we just had jars of peanut butter and, and we just fed them. And, uh, uh, we knew that something was happening. We didn't know we were going to become a church. Right. We thought we we're just a college ministry. But in about t- two years, nobody wanted to leave, even right. when they were graduating. Right. God had done something among us. And so they people started approaching me to be some kind of a, an official leader. Right. So I finally acquiesced and said, well, I will I will lead until a real pastor comes along. <laughs> and so, so, good. so 45, 45 years, years later. later. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> There's either a real drought of real pastors or you are the real pastor. That's yeah, what that's yeah, all about. Yeah. yeah. When I, I, I mean, I was crying out to God and saying, Lord, when are you going to bring us a real pastor? And he said into my spirit, he said, I have. Yeah. And then there was these prophetic wow. words that came it. over me uh, from three different people from three different nations that didn't know me. That, mm. And the word was that I would pastor people and that I would prophesy to nations. 
Right. And that was a defining moment for me. And so that became uh, the two hats that I wore. Right. I would pastor the people, part of our church. I love that. And then I would go from place to place and I would prophesy encouragement and strengthening and comfort. Yeah. And and that's what I've done all these years. And people tried to get me to do other things. And when I tried to do other things, right. it was not good. Yeah. But when I stayed in those things where my grace. assignment was, mm-hmm. it's been fruitful. And it's just been a one, I feel like Jimmy Stewart. It's been yeah. a wonderful life. <laughs> so I remember a story about a miraculous jar of, of peanut butter. Uh, I think, I think people would love to hear that, that story. Well, we were, June and I, my wife and I were just, we we're very, uh, we were students. We had five jobs between us. We were throwing newspapers. We had no money, barely could pay our rent. And, uh, so kids would just come and they would eat everything in the house. <laughs> and so we had loaves of bread that we'd gotten and we had a peanut butter. And so we got down to one peanut butter jar and we haven't even fed half the people that were there. Right. So June said, what do we do? And I said, well, we can't afford any more peanut butter. So I said, just keep feeding it as long as you can. Right. So she just kept going and kept going and kept going. And she kept looking in the jar and it just kept going. And so long after that jar was empty, she was still reaching. There was peanut butter there. And when the last student was fed, you could hear the jar clinking mm. and it was over. So wow. that was one of the first miracles that we saw. Right. And, and we, we tell that story a lot to our kids when, they, when they're concerned about provision. We can say, well, God can provide. If you're doing what he wants you to do, he can provide. That's so good. And I think that's so, I mean, that's in the roots, in the, the DNA of the church that you begin to pastor, born out of that, this sort of miraculous, prophetic, all of that out of the Jesus movement. So yeah. you talk about the two hats of pastoring and and prophesying. And what I see a lot a lot of is that people sort of want to do one or the either or they feel like you know, if I'm going to go prophesy, I can't I can't deal with people cuz I I mean, you know, let's face it, pastoring people can be a challenge at times. Right. Right. And I'd rather just go in and, you know, preach the word and, and prophesy to people and leave and let the pastor, you know, mm-hmm. clean that thing up. How how did that sort of develop in your life i mean talk about just even your your calling and gifting how'd that all start for you well we 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 started that church with a group of friends Mm -hmm. and so we were able to just talk about our concerns our 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 worries our challenges and so i had the same worry how can i do both yeah and i was being invited everywhere all the time to do concerts and things and how can i i kept saying we need someone else to do this and they'd say no you we want you to do it. And I, well, the only way I could figure it out is as I was looking at the time that Moses was being talked to by his father-in-law, Jethro. Yeah. Jethro said, if you do this alone, it'll kill you. Right. So put people in charges of hundreds of fifties and of tens. And I saw that and I felt like the Lord was saying to me, build everything around team. Hmm. So we, we, we figured out a way that we would have a team of leaders that we wouldn't have one person in the pulpit all the time, you know? Yeah. And it, and when I was gone, the church wouldn't stop. Right. And then when I was at home, there was, I would, I would be the visionary. I would sure. bring the vision. So I had to find a rhythm that would work and not destroy my family and not destroy right. me. Right. So the only way I could figure that out was through uh, the concept of team. So we not only have a worship team, we've got a preaching team and elder team. Yeah. It's all about team. Now to have teams, you've got to be able to trust sure. each other. Sure. Now 
we felt that there needed to be a head. And so I was like the lead pastor at home. Right. But it was it was very much collaborative, very much we're doing this together. Yeah. And so that that's the only way I can figure out that I was able to do that. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it had its challenges. For sure. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the prophetic you know, gifting, anointing in your life, that office, because one of the things that I have, um, just such great respect for is to be able to pastor in Fayetteville, Russellville, Russellville, I'm sorry. So Russellville for 45 years. What's the population of Russellville? 29,000. Okay. So it's, it's large enough there's a few things, but small enough, probably everybody has some sense of who you are as a guy who's been here for, yep. you know, that's the pastor of the, you know, so, but to be able to pastor in a city, but yet also, you know, hearing your stories and you've, you've shared some of going to restaurants where the Lord says, I want you to give a word or going to Lowe's and giving a word, balancing that, what it, what it says to me, why well, I have such respect for it is I'm like, well, number one, you can't just be a, a wing nut. You know, because right. people you're going to live amongst people. You're right. you're going to be there, right. and then you probably have to be fairly accurate. <laughs> well, it helps. Because if you're constantly <laughs> wrong, you know, people are like, "Yeah, here he comes again." This guy never, you know. Well, I think the biggest challenge for me was it's easy to prophesy over people you don't know. Yeah. But how do you prophesy over people you know? Yes. And have credibility. They're going to think, "Well, well he you know knew it. that about yeah. me." So I was wondering how to do that, and I I felt. Like I saw that we know in part and we prophesy in part. Mm -hmm. And in prayer one day, I felt like the Lord said, tell people what you know. Right. So I you love can tell that. them what you don't know. I so, love that. So I'll say, John, I know that you're a carpenter. Right. I know that about you. But here's what I didn't know that I want to share with you. Yeah. So I just acknowledge so it up front. And then we always encourage our folks to examine carefully yeah. or to judge the words, get yeah. with a group of friends, talk about it, make sure it, it, it's copacetic with the scriptures. Yeah. And so we, we don't just swallow it like a little bird, right. but we, we talk about it. We, 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 we lay it out and say, how's this going to work? And so, uh, and I encourage that. And, it, and if there's even a chance that I can get it wrong, if there's a chance I get it wrong, I acknowledge that. Well, yeah. I could have missed that. Sure. Sure. So we've tried to be, we tried to be normal. Yeah. You know, we've tried whatever that is. Yeah, whatever that is, exactly. But we try, we try to be uh, uh, real and right. genuine, and not just this big hype. Thus saith the Lord, right? And right. all that stuff. We, <laughs> yes. we don't, we don't do that. Yes, yes. And so it's, it's, and then after you've done it for a long time, then testimonies come. They'll right. say, "Well, then this year you prophesied that, and right. here's what happened." Right. Then they talk among among each other. Yeah. And so, so your credibility that just build from you selling yourself, yeah, or from the people around you going, I know, right, he's got a valid word. right. I've seen that. I, I love that. You know, the, the the idea of, you know, I heard a pastor say recently that God is the God of the supernatural, but He's also the God of the natural as yes. well. Right. And so sometimes we we really. I feel like people are really drawn and and rightfully so. I believe to the supernatural, to the spirit of God. You know, and to the gifts that are that are available to believers, but he's also uses natural order and process. I love that. You know, this is what I do know about you, mm -hmm. so I'm not trying to put on airs that I'm completely ignorant. But here's what I feel like the Lord is that that's such a, an important part. If someone were out there desiring to develop, um, what what is your perspective? I know you've written on it. You've written the book. He still speaks. You've now written. 
He still speaks to kids because there is no junior Holy Spirit. You know, kids are just, they're able to hear. So if, what's your position on, is this a a gift that is developed or, and I I think I know this, but I want to help people. Is it just, you you either got it or you don't got it. How does that work? Well, first of all, it's a gift. It's not a reward. Right. So the Holy Spirit right. gives these gifts, and we get saved, we get filled the Holy Spirit, and those gifts in us get activated. Yeah, I love that. Some will be pastors, some will be worship leaders, some will be this, doctors, whatever, but they're all spiritual gifts. Yeah. And so we receive them as a gift. Now, we don't just say, great, I've got a gift. Yeah. Like if you decided that someone saw you at five years old, and they said, that kid's going to be a good athlete. Yeah. Well, you would have to develop that gift. And yeah. so spiritual gifts, I think, are the same. They need to be developed by, by use. Yeah. You need to develop some understanding. Uh, you don't need to think it's about you. Right. You need to always right. remember it's a gift you've been graced with. Yeah. And then, so for me, what that meant, I came up in a tradition that was very emotional yeah. and wasn't always very biblically based. Right. So I went on a quest for uh, years studying with some, like I studied in England with a, uh, a British scholar that was prophetic, and I made sure I had the biblical underpinnings of yeah. how the New Testament prophecy worked. Yeah. Then I traveled with a prophetic guy from the Latter Rain movement for three years, and yeah. I carried his bags, and yeah. he discipled me. So I think one thing we're all struggling with is everybody's impatient. <laughs> Isn't that true? And so, so <laughs> when you think about the thought that I might give a prophetic word that may cause someone to make a decision, yeah. That is too big for me to carry yeah. unless I know that the Lord has given right. me that. So so I do everything I can to make sure that I'm as I'm as biblically sound, uh, that that uh, I'm not walking in pride, but I, but that I'm walking with thankfulness and gratefulness for the gift God's given me. Yeah. And I feel a certain mandate uh, to move in that gift. Yeah. And again, it's not for the motivation of, of building up my ministry, but it, New Testament prophecy, as opposed to Old Testament, is about three things, right. edification, exhortation, and comfort. Right. So I run it through that filter. Is this word encouraging? Yeah. Is it building up? Is yeah. it comforting people? And so I have, I have all sorts of uh, things in place with both friends, with my own internal life with the Lord, yeah. and with my understanding of the Bible. Uh, that this is going to be safe for people. Yeah. Now, prophecy is not safe. Yeah. It's not safe. Right. Right? You you have to get out on the edge and face sometimes to give words Absolutely. that you're, you're given to give. But but there is a tremendous fulfillment in me to be able to hear a word and give a word that would encourage a discouraged, depressed person. Yeah. To find courage. And to say, I've been free of that. Yeah. So that's, um, I will face all the insecurities of giving a word. You're right. I love that. With the, with the hope that it's going to help somebody. Yeah. I, and I don't, don't you think that's part of it? I mean, you, you have to be willing to somewhat look foolish. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think if, if we're, that some people are so, whether, whatever the gift might be, so struggling with, well, I don't want to seem i don't want to look but with all of them there's a part of this kind of death to self of like okay i'm just going to step in obedience and in humility that says well if i'm wrong i'm wrong you know i could miss it i'm human Mm -hmm. you know this make me a false prophet it makes me human Mm -hmm. you know um but have there been instances where that's been where, where you feel like there were some 
experiences maybe that that sort of put you over that that line or just you know like here we are boy you know well there's lots of stories i could tell i'll tell one um i was about to preach in our church one day and there was a lady that came in the back of the room and sat on the back row and i was starting to do my sermon but i just kept being distracted by seeing her and i said so i finally just quietly within myself said lord is there something i'm supposed to say to her yeah and and he he gave me something to say he said and the word was the thing you're about to do is not me i've come to give you life Mm. and so i wrestle with that should i wait till a break right i talk to her you know should is this going to embarrass her you go through all that stuff but i'd done this long enough to to know that that was the lord so i just said well before i start my sermon uh, this woman in the back, you just walked in. I don't want to embarrass you, but I felt like I heard something when you walked in. So I told her that what mm. I'd heard. And then she just gets up and starts walking toward the pulpit. And I thought, <laughs> I hope she doesn't have a gun, you know. Here we and go. She's walking toward me. And, and then one of the leaders walked with her and found right. out what was going on. And so the story was is that she had found out a few days previously that her husband had left her mm. and some other bad things had happened. And that morning she had... Uh, written a suicide note wow she had put out all of her important papers on her and she was going to drive her car into the arkansas river and kill herself wow to get there she had to go by our church building Mm. so she's coming by our church building she felt a compelling to pull her car into our parking lot wow and she heard a voice say if you'll go she'll say god i don't if you'll speak to me i won't do this Mm. he said if you go in that building a man is going to speak to you on my behalf wow so she comes in, the thing you're about to do is not the Lord. Right. She she testifies of all that. We pray for her. Now, now the last I heard a few years ago, she's a Sunday school teacher in another church wow. in town. She's doing well. That's awesome. But in the moment, that was so scary. But in the big picture, right. it yeah. was so right. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I came up with something. I just wanted to let everybody say I could prophesy over someone, something right. I didn't no. really want to do. Yeah. And so I, I've got a dozen stories like that, but it's, yeah. uh, it's those kind of things. It's like playing golf, you know, get that one hole. Right. You want to keep coming back. <laughs> so, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> the appetite for that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a part, I think that it can be easily overlooked is the fact that God is working in the person as well. God yes. is preparing them as well. Maybe that can help with some of that fear that I think often anybody tries to use to get us paralyzed and focused on the wrong things. But, you know, God's, if, if this is the Lord, he's setting this up in such a way, there's events and circumstances that are, he, he's putting it all together, you know, working it all out for good. And I, I love that. I think if we can keep that perspective um, I think most prophetic words are not a shock to people. I think they're right. they're affirming. Yeah, of something that's already going on. They just they've got some pieces of the puzzle missing. Yeah, and God gives that little piece. Yeah, then suddenly, oh, God was there all along. Yeah, God does love me. Yeah, those kind of things happen. So Th- that that story, and again, as you say, there's probably several you could share, but that story to me is one of the one of the greatest indicators not only of the love of god but you know what if what if that church doesn't believe right you know 
and certainly the Lord could take her to another, I suppose. But, you know, what if you didn't believe in that thing? What, you know, what if you didn't believe in the activation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You know, and there are people out there who say that's not for today. Right. Um, that died with the last apostles, the finish of the canon. That's over. You know, we're all in a new, that sort of thing. What would you what would you, what would you, and I, I love your approach because I know you're kind and gracious, it, you know, you're never a person to, but what would you say to those people that would say, well, I, didn't, I don't think that's for today, that, you know, I've seen some weird stuff out there. Well, I, I think whenever there's questions like that of the validity of something in the Bible, you have to go back to the Bible. Right. So 1 Corinthians 1 talks about the gifts being with us yeah. until the Lord comes back. And then 1 Corinthians 13, which is really the sticking point for people, yeah. it says, right. um, it says uh, when the perfect comes, right. prophecies and gifts of the Spirit will right. fall away. And so they'll say, well, the perfect is the Scripture. Right. Well, the Scripture tells about the perfect, right? but it's not the perfect. Right. The perfect is Jesus. That's so good. So I believe that these gifts were meant to help us until Jesus comes back the second time. Yeah. Then I think when he comes back again, when the perfect returns, right. there'll be no need no for need the gifts. For it. Exactly. We'll be with him. Exactly. But until then... I don't think the church is a lot better off than the early church in Acts. Mm. And I think we need the gifts of the Spirit today just so as good. much as they did then. So, absolutely. It's interesting because yeah, in my recent studies, um, I was actually reading uh, Calvin's Institutes, which is sort of his you know, predominant work. And it's interesting, you know, many would think Calvinist as a cessationist and, you know, all of that. Um, and I think there were things that were happening in the reformations that were abuses of church leadership and just abuses in general that were getting away from the word. And so there was this, like, we got to get back to the word. And so we don't have, there was no space even allowed for spiritual giftings because that felt like too much, autonomy outside of the word but it's interesting in his institutes he actually makes the statement that gives allowance for the miraculous and he does it in the perspective of and he kind of layers it into like you know there there are parts of the world where the gospel has never been preached and it will be preached and it's it's a necessity for there to be miraculous signs and wonders to convince people of the you know the validity of the gospel they're hearing and again, you know, I think just what you said, we we need that more than ever. We may be more technologically advanced now. We may be more intelligent. We have more philosophy, more scholarship, more even in the, the Bible. We've got the Google. We've got it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you, you got a question, yeah, we got answers. And, and so the thing is, is like we have all of this, but there's even more doubt, more, more, you know, rejecting of God and his word than ever. And so to me, I'm like, man, once you open that door. Well, back in the forties, there was a guy named Smith Wigglesworth right. that had a prophecy. And the prophecy was that in before the last great revival, the word and the spirit would come mm-hmm. together yeah. and partner. Yeah. And I think the church by and large is divided between the word people right. That right. without spirit right. and the spirit people without yes. the word. Yes. And so I feel, I feel, I'm seeing that now all over the world. Right. All over the world, there are prophetic, spiritually gifted people that are realizing their need for the Word. Yeah. And there are those that, in the Word that are realizing they need demonstrations right. following what they right. teach about. And so so there's a, it's like a convergence of two rivers. And yeah. so there's a lot, there's, when they converge, there's a lot of 
rapids. Sure. But as it goes down the stream, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. So we 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 are a champion of the word back home, and yeah. we're a champion of the spirit. And I think that 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 is what's going to pull the boat in in the coming days yeah. as we go up to maybe this last great revival. I, I agree with that. That's that's so good. That that picture of the coming there. There's some rough spots as it comes yeah. together. Yeah. You know, because we all have these bias, we all have these experiences, we all have our traditions. Um, you know, because I, I probably was much the same. Grew up in a tradition where it was a lot of emotionalism and right. and almost a you know a, a diminished approach towards like, wait, well, you don't need that. You just need the spirit. And and in in to be fair, I mean, there's a ton of things that were done that were undeniable. You right. know, that were absolutely moves of the spirit and right. healings and salvations and people being set free from things i mean absolutely um but i agree with you i think we're coming to this place where the, the two merging together so um when you talk about developing this gift um how would you encourage somebody if they were to sit here and say you know pastor wayne um man i feel like this is you know something the lord's putting on my heart i feel like god's speaking to me at times um is are there practical steps someone can begin to develop that in their life yeah well it says one Corinthians fourteen that we should desire spiritual gifts, yeah, I love especially that. the gift of prophecy. Yep. And the only reason I see for especially is that yeah. other gifts edify us, love but it. prophecy edifies yeah. the church. So, good. Yes. so I think it's okay to desire it. So first of all, you don't need to feel made to do this. Right. I've got to do this. Yeah. But you need a desire. Then once there's a desire, then you need to, you need to do whatever you can do to develop it. And one of the things that I encourage is is being around a church that's that's spirit friendly yeah, yeah. and and loves the word. Uh, I, like you mentioned earlier, I've written the book. He still speaks yeah. with my friend Tom Lane, and we tried our best to answer that very question in yeah. this book. If you want to get involved, you feel like there might be something about the prophetic in you, yeah. look at this book. And if there's a study that goes with it. Uh, there's other resources out there that's available. You, yeah. There's videos, there's scads of things. But I have to warn you, there's a bunch of weird stuff out For there. For sure. <laughs> so you, yeah. you need a little discernment. So if, if I were just getting started, I would go to somebody that I respect, a yeah. pastor, a, an older brother, a sister, and go, and I really think there might be something in me about the prophetic. Are there any resources that you could point me right. toward? Right. And then the third thing is... Paul said to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was given you yeah. when he laid his hands on you. Yeah. And there was a transfer and impartation of that gift yeah. when he laid his hands on him. That's when the presbytery does that. And so I would look for people that would that are moving in that gifting mm -hmm. to spend time with them and, yeah. and perhaps see if there might be an impartation of that gift given yeah. through the laying on of hands. Yeah. So, and that sounds weird and old and high church and <laughs> creepy really. and all that, but not really. I mean, it, we love images of football players with their sure. coach's arm around them saying, this is my guy yep. and all that stuff. Yep. It's just like that. Yep, you know, it's sure. like, like Paul telling Timothy, just imagine him going, man, I love you, Timothy. I love the faith that was in you, is in your mother and grandmother and, mm. and, you know, and he loved him, Yeah, you know, and yep. so. So saw he something in, for that sure. Gift. So there are ways. I think our book is a very good starting yep. place, and it might be interested in getting that. Yeah. Um, but there, but I don't think you need to do it in a vacuum, Absolutely. over in your room by yourself. Absolutely. You need to go with some people you you respect to say, would you kind of do you have any guidance for me? Yeah. 
yeah. and then just start walking. Yeah, I, I think that's so. And and we'll make sure and put the the link, you know, to the book and just directions on how to find that yeah. um, in in the the episode in the show notes, kind of so people can get with that. Because I think that is, you know, I've I've read those books. I think they're incredibly biblically based and helpful, practical, but yet very very freeing and empowering, mm-hmm. you know, towards, yes, you should desire that. And I think that's a key part, I think, for people to, to get that nod, like, yes, this is yeah. what the Lord has for you. And, and, uh, we're here to help stir that, that up inside of you. So, but you talk about in, in the whole relational piece, you know, you mentioned you served, you know, for a season, just, just carrying the bags, being around, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure that was a very, relational sort of you know and i think when we we see that impartation paul to timothy as a relational piece you know i think that helps us to understand this is actually the way the body works is you know nothing is the the bible i don't believe the bible should be interpreted in isolation it's meant to be you know read and interpreted interpreted in a community setting where we together are reasoning together come let's reason together i think that's so powerful for people to understand i don't need to go off and become this solo prophet because i think that sometimes is the dangerous place you know suddenly then you feel like you have i've heard from god right you know and so therefore that puts me over any other authority one of the things that we do with with when do we do our classes on the prophetic right is we try to help them uh use language that's not so off-putting so rather than saying the Lord told me, thus saith the Lord. So good, yeah. You say things like, well, I feel like this, right. or it seems to me, right. or I was praying for you and I heard this. Yeah. And so we we make it, we come across as saying, thus saith the right. Lord. Like, There's nothing you can say about that. Yeah, what do you do? Like yeah. I get musicians that send me songs and they start off by saying, God's given me a song. What right. do you think? Yeah. Well, what am I going to, if God gave you a song, I'm not going to touch it. <laughs> he, he needs some more work. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I think he must've been having an off day, but <laughs> yeah, so, God's messing with you. Yeah. We take ourselves sure. way too seriously. For sure. But. I think that's so important because I often feel like when people do that, it's to bolster probably an insecurity yes. or a, a fear they have instead of just embracing going like I'm human and here's what I'm feeling and sensing. Here's what I'm hearing. Um, I'm going to give this, it's supposed to be judged anyways. Yeah. I mean, the word tells us to hold to the good, you know, and by virtue of that, don't hold on to what's not good. Yeah. And so I think there's oftentimes when people are using that, there are some who use it, who are, are that I know of, as I'm thinking that use that sort of, you know, the Lord would say, but they still have a humble spirit about right. them and they're, they're pretty accurate. Yeah. you know, pretty often. Well, and so I think the essential meaning of disciple is learner. Mm-hmm. So what's easy, what helps me when someone approaches me to give them guidance about the prophetic, I want to see, are you a learner? Yeah. Are you just looking for a way to get a rubber stamp? So you yeah. say, Wayne said, I'm a prophet. Yeah. So handle yourself with humility yeah. as a learner. Yeah. Saying I, I'm, I'm seeing if the Lord has something for me here. Yeah. And do you have any guidance for me? Yeah. And that's a whole different ball game. And well, well, everyone tells me I'm a prophet. I come to let you validate that. Right. right. They may not say those words, but sure. be in it. So, so God always resists the proud. Absolutely. Always. But he gives grace to the humble. Yeah. So I feel, um, you don't have to be the loudest and brashest and weirdest 
guy in the room to be the best prophet. Right. There's a time when I thought that. I thought, boy, you have to be pretty weird to be a prophet. <laughs> and and yeah. but I'm finding as I go along, God always gives favor to the humble. Yeah. So if you stay a humble servant, a humble learner, then I think there's a greater opportunity that you're going to walk with great power yeah. and great boldness right. because you'll never let it be about you. Yeah, that's so good. So help me in a situation, perhaps when you've been you've been helping. I know because you you in the church that you have transitioned, which again I think is just another statement of that teams. You you built this thing, so it's not about you. You're still a part of it. Right. You still have a voice there. Um, but yet you can still go and do the things, the assignments the Lord has for you. And it's such a, it's a beautiful picture. I think of a great, um, a great succession and a transition plan, you know? Um, but let's, to go back, maybe if you're, you, you teach this, but you have someone who's just off, they're just prophesying something that just is not, is, doesn't bear witness with people, doesn't connect. How, How do you address that with, with folks? Well, if, if they, tell you something privately it's a lot easier yeah but if they prophesy something publicly right then as a pastor you have a responsibility to deal with it publicly right so we had a guy come in our our church one time and he just started prophesying doom over the whole church and said we were missing it and because we weren't this or that and he was just yelling and so i i I'm preaching. I stopped and I said, sir, would you just uh, sit down? One of our guys right. stopped and he wouldn't do it. Hmm. So he just kept moving around, moving around. So our deacons were moving in on him, you know, right, and right. all that stuff. <laughs> and finally I just said, sir, I said, you stop in the name of Jesus. Hmm. Stop now. Right. And so, and so he stopped for just a second and then he started up again. So I said, okay, since you won't be under the authority of uh, this house, you're under the authority of the land. So I'm going to call the police. Right. When I said that, the fear of the Lord came on him, hmm. you know, and he, he walked out the door and he got to the door and he turns around and, and he, 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 right. he pronounces Michelob. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, Michelob, that Michelob. could have been the problem all <laughs> along. <laughs> so, and so then he, then he, excuse me, then he left and, <laughs> that, and that week I thought I'm going to get lots of messages this week, but right. all the messages were, right Pastor, on. we're so thankful yeah. that you dealt with that as redemptively as you could yeah. and that we feel safe. Yeah. Because you didn't just let that go. Didn't let it go and weren't and they weren't harsh with him at the same time. Didn't have to return that flesh for flesh. Well, you don't know you don't know where the guy's coming from. Yeah. He could have had all kinds of mental problems, yeah. demonic, it could sure. be all kinds of things. But you can't let there be a thought in your in the people that you serve that that's normal. Right. That's okay. Right. It'll be allowed. Yeah. So you have to deal with it. Well, yeah, I think because it, with people who genuinely have a desire for prophetic gifts to be operational in their own lives, suddenly now feel like, I don't know that I want to do that. I don't know that that, you know, there's not, there's just this disruption. And so it, it creates a problem for them. So, and, and when someone comes to you privately or, or let's say somebody is sharing words that are, you know, as a pastor that maybe not publicly, but they're sharing things and you start, I'm sure probably you've had these experiences where, yeah, they're a little off there. You know, how how do you address that? Well, we talk about the need for examining words, testing them. And, uh, and so we, we, well, how do you test them? Well, you look at the motivation. Is it coming from love? Yeah. Is it a motivation of love? Uh, is it biblical? Is, does it contradict the scripture? Yeah. Uh, is it encouraging, strengthening, and comforting? Yeah. Or is it judging? Is it is it uh, 
is it drawing attention to yourself? Yeah. So we have these questions that we ask. And then if, if say if that's happening in a small group, our small group leaders know how to handle right. that. And then if they won't stop, then whoever is their direct oversight, they will say, look, we don't want you to give any words right. publicly. You can give them to me right. and I'll help you judge them, right. but we want you to stop. And if they won't, then we have to say, well, look, we don't think you need to be here. Yeah. So we, we're, we're very, uh, we're very jealous for the word being right. presented properly. Yeah. And we love people. We try to handle it redemptively, but we deal with it. Yeah. You, you've got to. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I've seen in certain church settings, um, and again, sometimes the size of a church can be a challenge, you know, in these kind of instances um, where, you know, pastors or staff, um, I mean, that would be predominantly probably even where we're at. Um, if somebody has a word, we'd ask them to go right. filter that through a, right. a spiritual leader, a pastor, campus right. pastor first, um, and and then they can help judge that and either relate that you know, or, or depending on who it is, the credibility of a person, all of those things would probably factor into that conversation. Um, but my question is this, as, as you think about that, why is it, do you suppose that it seems like this prophetic gift sometimes is so challenging for folks to, to come under a a leadership, um, or even sometimes, um, it can feel like people who have, or a self, um, self-identified prophetic gift want to become, as a pastor, my personal prophet. You know, they want to be the one that hears from God for me. And hey, pastor, you know, right. you know, I, there are times. And again, I always want to be sensitive. Like, Lord, is this? You know, I'm judging it. Like, Lord, is this right? Is this really happening? You know, I've I've had instances where people would come to me and say things like, you know, well, there are witches on the front row. There's witches on the front row, and I'm like, well, why don't you go deal with them? You <laughs> know, like, like go, yeah, yeah, go cast yeah, the devil out of them. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, if, that, yeah. if you are so certain of this, right, right. why are you coming to me and creating this, this like? What, now I'm looking for, you know, and and again, I don't doubt that there are people who come, you know, right. with a, an intention to dis- disrupt in a spiritual way. I don't, you know, I mean, we pray through it every. I walk that sanctuary every week and pray through that, you know. So what do you th- what what do you think it is in that regard? Well, I think. Most of the time, it's it's a desire for attention. Yeah, it's a, and and the prophetic seems to be the easiest one. Yeah, to latch hold of and be able to say, "Thus saith the Lord." Right, draw attention to yourself. Yeah, because everybody wants a word from God. Yeah, everybody, and so they want to hear from the Lord. And so you can you can start to get some attention. You can start to feel uh, something special about yourself. Yeah, but you know, even the devil and demons and witches they all respect spiritual authority yeah so if the authority in the house is clear mm-hmm. and then 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 that can be dealt with but if if you have these rogue right. prophets right they just refuse to be under authority rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft right right and so so you, you there doesn't need to be a rogue element. How to handle that? If if that person had saw that there was some witches here, whatever, maybe saw them doing something yeah. up there, you go and you tell someone, well, I think there may be some witches sure. here. And what what do you want us to do? Do right. you want to pray? Right. Rather than, you know, you need to prophesy hell down on these right, people. Right, right. So, so it's, uh, I think we make it way more complicated, way more spooky than it needs yeah, to be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I had a gal one time, 
they were they were going to cast this demon out of this guy and this is so funny and uh, and so this guy who was who we knew is just someone who's just always doing weird stuff so he starts kind of manifesting he said she's going through all this stuff you know you know she said what's your name my name is belzebub and, right and she said oh you're not near that important <laughs> so, <laughs> right exactly so she said stop you right, know right so this guy and so but i feel like i feel like all those things are all those things are real right and, but they don't have to be they don't have to distract us from where our attention needs to be right Usually right. that's why they've come is to distract. To distract, yeah. yeah. I think that's what's interesting, and whenever it's always so interesting. Whenever I'll have a a a, a moment in a message where I'm, you know, Jesus casting out a demon, or I'm talking about spiritual, you know, or occultic things, you know, man, the the questions just go through the roof, you know, okay. because people are just so fascinated with it. And I think part of the problem is, I think, and I, I've said this to our church quite a bit most of what we've learned about it, we've learned from Hollywood. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. We've learned from Hollywood, just like we've learned about love and romance from Hollywood. And they're not the expert on either of those necessarily. And so, uh, and they're very overt about it. I mean, they're just, here it is. And so people are expecting these, these crazy, you know, sort of encounters um, and, and don't understand spiritual authority at the same time. You know, you think, well, this demon shows up and it's, you know, it's in charge of, you know, you're, you better run, hit the hills. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's interesting how, how fascinated people are. And I would say this, as you're talking about like the gift of prophecy, it seems to be the easiest attention focus. I think at the same time, you know, if I come up claim to have the gift of healing and you're sick right. and I pray for you and you don't get healed, well, there's that, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, there seems to be in some of these, a very clear instance of, and we can't necessarily say. Right. You know, that's the, the person's fault. But but with this ambiguous nature of, of you know, spiritual warfare, gifts and things of that nature can be sometimes a challenge. And I think that's just, you know, I think what you're hitting on is such an important piece of the, the spiritual authority, leadership that God's placed there. Right. You know, I think it was more, he'll give them the, the discernment, just like with yourself and this man, to know yeah. how to do it redemptively. Well, we have time. classes at least uh, two or three times a year yeah. about various things, but one of them is, is the prophetic. And, and so we, we just do ongoing training yeah. and we have videos and all that stuff. And so if folks are interested, yeah. then there's a resource for them, a place yeah. to start. Right. But we tell them, don't come in the front door prophesying. Right, right. Don't come in the front door saying you're going to sit up on the front row. That's that's not yours. You right. take a lesser plate yeah. and then you wait for them to call you So up. good. So, and, and, and. This, this books that we wrote, we, we tried to take the weird out of it. For sure. And try to hold on to the wonderful. <laughs> so sure. you can get to talking about the weird and then you start thinking it's all weird. Yeah, but exactly. It really is wonderful when it yeah. encourages, strengthens, and comforts. Yeah, I it's love that. It's wonderful. So. I love that. That's so, that is encouraging. And so, well, thank you for taking the time to share some of your insights and I think a very important, significant and, and a, a life that you've lived as well. Uh, one of the things I love about you is when when you show up here uh, to minister, um, this is clearly who you are. This is a part of what God has gifted and called you to do. Because even I think about last night, you know, we were sitting around in a small group of individuals and, and, and the Lord had prepared you to share some words. I just thought one thing I love about him is there doesn't have to be this request made of, would you, would you come and prophesy? Although, I mean, I don't know that'd be wrong necessarily, but you just come 
with that expectation um, and that, you know, that openness and willingness to say, okay, Lord. And, and every, I think every time I've had you here, there's always been some peripheral, whether it was a, an elders meeting or a staff meeting or something of that nature where you, you know, activated, employed that gift and people were encouraged and comforted and strengthened. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's such a missing piece uh, in well, many this, churches. At this phase in my life, it seems like I'm still pastoring, but I'm yeah. pastoring pastors. That's awesome. And I have a real heart for leaders in the church who give out everything they've got all yeah. the time and, and aren't, aren't often poured into. Yeah. So I feel one of my assignments these days is to pour into yeah. the leaders and the pastors and the staff to where they can be encouraged and strengthened and seen as an individual, yeah. not just as they have that role. Yep. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of what was happening last night. That's yeah. what God put on my heart. And and uh, and I find that being very fulfilling yeah. for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because you guys have this dynamic church that's touching your city. It, you're growing. And to be able to come and encourage the encouragers, Yeah, it just makes it's a real fulfilling thing for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, it was significant for sure. And I think every time you've you know, ministered here. It's been significant in that way. People have walked away. I, we sat around in the afterglow of it after you had gone on back to the hotel and just talked about how, you know, it, it was like they didn't want to stop, you know, and it wasn't just talking about their own. It was talking about each other and just in continuing to encourage and just speak life. And I, I've watched a few of them get more animated and activated in terms of that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, and that's, I think that's just such a missing piece in, in churches sometimes that I think, you know, I used to say, if you want to fast track a discipleship process with somebody, or even I would say even evangelism, the gifts are, are given to us and they seem to just, you know, accelerate that because when you meet somebody at Lowe's, you know, as you shared Sunday and you share something, man, their hearts are open much what we see in scripture in the new Testament. Tell us what we've got to do, you know, tell us, you know, what do we need to do? And, and it, it, it almost I would think seems so too easy. Yeah, it just so rather than, you know, sometimes feeling like, oh, this is so hard to, and it can be, I get it. But the reality is, man, the Holy Spirit there leading, guiding is well, such yeah, a Most piece. of the great things that have happened in the world, the idea of it happened around a table. Yeah. Where folks were talking and, and table fellowship was so important to the early saints. And I feel like, like last night when we were around that table and then the gift of prophecy wasn't this big premier event. Yeah. It was just part of our table fellowship. Yeah. There might have been someone there that had a teaching gift that said, let me show you what the Lord showed me in this yeah. verse this week. Yep. And so I feel like that's where the real exchange of life most often happens yeah. is around the table. Yep. And so that's one of the reasons I want to see the gift of prophecy to be more approachable, yeah. to be more naturally supernatural, yep. more in life. And it, it's it's not some big special event. Right, right. But it's just when we're in life together, it's part of yeah, how we this live. This one has a song. This one has a hymn. This one yeah. has a spiritual song, a prophecy. We all bring what our gifts are, yeah. and the gifts you're given are for you to give away. Right, right. So to minister others, I love that. Well, it sounds like a, a commercial for the table because that's exactly the heart behind what we're doing here is to try to transfer some of that. You know, and it's not a podium; it's a table. It's a conversation. It's where life is is happening, and and gifts are are activated and used. And so th thank you for spending some time with us today. Oh, and my pleasure. I'm sure people will be blessed. And we'll put the, the book in the show notes and both of them so you could order that and uh, start growing and developing in the, the prophetic gifts and hearing the Lord. I think it's, that's going to be such a 
significant, prominent piece in this day and age with all the craziness out there. We've got to hear, got to have a hearing heart to hear from the Lord and, and respond. And so thank you for doing that. And so just want to encourage you, if this has been helpful to you on the table, uh, to give us a like, um, subscribe, share this around, and uh, maybe somebody you know needs to hear about prophetic giftings and it would be an encouragement to them. So we love you and look forward to seeing you next time.